Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the ever-changing world of technology? Tech It Out can help make some sense of it all. Breaking down geek speak into street speak, technology columnist, author, and TV personality Mark Saltzman covers consumer technology each week for every listener. Mark tackles the latest news, reviews, and how-tos to help you understand what's hot, what's not, and why. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tech It Out. This is episode number 27. Thrilled that you've tuned into the show, where I not only celebrate technology, but my goal is also to help demystify it. In other words, I try to break down geek speak into street speak. Tech It Out is brought to you by Asus, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. Asus, for those in search of incredible. Visit asus.com for more info. That's asus.com. Well, we have a great show planned for you this hour, which might be considered a part two of our coverage from the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, which recently wrapped up in Las Vegas. In a few minutes from now, we'll catch up with Ted Kritzonis, a renowned technology journalist, on his favorite tech from CES. And before that, we're going to talk with Huawei, one of the big companies at the show that unveiled a new smartphone. So let's jump right in. While most major smartphone makers wait until MWC or Mobile World Congress to unveil their new flagship phones every March in Barcelona, Huawei chose the Consumer Electronics Show in early January to officially take the wraps off its new device. Many journalists, including yours truly, was gushing about the Huawei Mate 10 Pro last week in Las Vegas. And so joining us on the line to talk about Huawei and the new Mate 10 Pro coming soon, we're joined on the line by Tony Xiao Li. He is the Huawei product marketing manager. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So before we talk about this new smartphone that was unveiled last week, and I know pre-orders are starting in early February, tell us about the company Huawei. It's sort of like, you know, the tech industry's best kept secret to us here in North America. Sure, absolutely. So um, again, thank you for having me. And to start, Huawei is a leading global information and communications technology solution provider. We are the largest telecommunications equipment manufacturer in the world, as well as a top three smartphone maker also in the world. We provide products and services over 170 countries across the globe and serve a third of the world's population. But relevant to our discussion today, uh, Huawei's Consumer Business Group, or CBG, is responsible for Huawei's consumer electronic business, covering phones, tablets, PCs, wearables, and more. And also, to add on to that, we are a company that's made up of 180, almost 180,000 employees around the world, and almost half, 45%, are engineers who work in R&D. So we're very, very focused on innovation and product development. Wow, 180,000 employees. That's funny enough, the same number of people who attended the Consumer Electronics Show last week, where uh, Huawei chose to unveil the the new device, the Mate 10 Pro. So, Tony, before we talk about smartphones, you said that uh, Huawei is the world's largest uh, telecom equipment manufacturer. So, for our listeners, that often refers to the towers, the cellular towers that are in all the big cities and countrysides across this country. This allows you to have uh, cellular connectivity, whether it's for phone calls or for data. That was largely built by Huawei across the world, correct? Yes, that is correct. So we work with the world's largest uh, carriers and operators, and we build network infrastructure, and we build that, and we do it on a global scale. So we do that in China, and we do that out of China. We do that in Europe, 
in Southeast Asia, Africa, the Middle East, uh, a lot of those places have always built network infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I know Canada does as well. But we're, we've got your time, Tony, to chat about the Huawei Mate 10 Pro. This is the new phone that debuted at the Consumer Electronics Show. Tell us about this device. Okay, sure. So the Mate 10 Pro is Huawei's latest flagship device that's focused on lightning-fast performance, unrivaled battery power, exceptional Leica dual-camera setup, and a premium design. As the newest in the Mate series lineup, the Mate 10 Pro truly offers consumers a premium experience. And I want to just highlight, because it has a ton of features, I want to highlight some of the most prominent ones. Mm -hmm. So for one, it gives users a more powerful, faster, and more personalized mobile experience with the ability to reach gigabyte LTE speed. So we're talking about connectivity, ultra-fast connectivity. Um, It has a new Leica dual camera with Sumilex lenses with an industry-leading aperture of f1.6 and intelligent photography, including AI-powered real-time scene and object recognition um, and AI-powered bokeh effect. And we will will go into the camera uh, uh, in more detail uh, shortly after this. Yeah, yeah. I want to clarify some of those terms there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it also has a large 4,000 milliamp battery with smart battery management to power you through music playback, video playback, browsing, and calling. So with a 4,000 milliamp battery, um, for normal users, obviously, you can use that, uh, the phone, for almost up to two days um, based on like a regular regular usage scenario. That's fantastic. And a, right. And it has a six-inch uh, OLED Huawei full-view display um, enabling you to see more and do more on a clean, continuous screen. So it's very beautiful, very high-res screen. The, I think um, the first thing that people notice when they uh, take a look at the, the Mate 10 Pro is its design and its screen. Very high-end, like a beautiful finish to it with a large, vibrant display. That was the first thing that jumped out at me. Absolutely, absolutely. It has the Kirin 970 chipset, which is the world's first AI processor on a smartphone. So it has AI-enhanced computing architecture with a dedicated neural network processing unit, or MPU. And we will also get into that uh, in more detail uh, shortly. Okay, yeah. So, um, Tony, the, the catchphrase on my radio show is that I try to break down geek speak into street speak. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a look at some of those terms that you've dropped and explain it just so everybody's on board. But uh, certainly with all those features, it does separate this phone from all the other smartphones on the market, not being another sort of me too Android device. This truly stands out on its own. And I did have some major hands-on time with it at uh, last week's Consumer Electronics Show, which was pretty, pretty awesome. So let's start with Photography. So you mentioned Leica cameras. So L-E-I-C-A. This is a well-known camera lens brand that Huawei has partnered with. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And this is not the first time or this is not the beginning of our partnership. This is actually uh, us continuing, you know, a long and successful relationship with Leica. Uh, When we first started uh, our P9, when we first launched the P9, that was actually one of our first phones to have the Leica co-branded camera. And in plain English, the pictures that you would capture on this smartphone are just stunningly clear, like incredible detail. Uh, Even in dark environments, it's got uh, great low light performance and uh, it's got the image stabilization. uh, So you're not going to get blurry images when the subjects are moving a little bit. So it's like a standalone camera, but built into your smartphone. Right, right. And just to really 
to really talk about the camera because this is a feature or a functionality that we're really, really proud of. Um, people nowadays expect their phones to take incredible photos. And that's why we worked so hard on improving the photography experience on the Mate 10 Pro. Uh, like you've said, mentioned earlier, we've, we're continuing our partnership with Leica. You know, they're a legendary German top of the line camera maker, premium segment, um, one of the you know best camera makers in the world. Um, and so what we wanted, our purpose was to kind of borrow that whole premium Leica experience as much as we can, borrow as much as we can from, from Leica and use that same technology on a smartphone. So with the Mate 10 Pro, um, you would be able to get Leica-like image quality. Mm -hmm. right? now, what about with video, Tony? Is there, can, can it shoot 4K video four times the resolution of HD? Absolutely. It, it also shoots in 4K video and um, video, video shots are beautiful. So for any creators out there, uh, the Mate 10 Pro, uh, whether you look at image quality or video quality, it's all top of the line, industry leading. We're chatting with Tony Shaoli. He is Huawei's product marketing manager. Huawei, by the way, is spelled H-U-A-W-E-I. So you've no doubt seen their logo, seen the word Huawei, but maybe weren't sure how it was pronounced. I liked all over the Consumer Electronics Show, by the way, Tony, that it said, you know, pronounced Huawei, which is not exactly accurate. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a fun, fun, playful way of explaining how to pronounce Huawei. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So when we when we thought about the grand entrance that we wanted to make um, in the U.S. market uh, because, you know, it's, it's true that a lot of people, especially in Western countries, they have trouble pronouncing our name. And so we, we wanted to think of something that would, that would wow and something that would intrigue uh, consumers. So this is, I think, uh, a good representation uh, in, a, in, a, in a kind of funny and clever way of, of our brand. So that's what we went with. Indeed. Before we continue our chat with Tony Shaoli, Product Marketing Manager at Huawei, after this short break, I did want to share a few other highlights from the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show with you. A couple more products that caught my eye. I spent a lot of time at the Sony booth. In fact, we'll talk with them next weekend on this program. But their X900 FTV was spectacular. It's a full array backlit television instead of edgelit, which results in better brightness, better contrast ratio. So that's the difference between the whitest whites and the darkest blacks, more vivid colors, and it all has great motion. So whenever you're watching a fast action scene in a movie or playing a video game, there's no stuttering or screen tearing. Uh, it's also a smart TV. In fact, it has built in Android. So it has Google Assistant. So you press a button on the remote and you can ask a question or give a command and your TV will give you an answer. Pretty cool stuff. So that's coming up from Sony, the X900F due out this spring, but no price has been announced. And to complement that TV with a similar style right underneath it was the X9000F soundbar from Sony, which uh, not only looks cool, but even more importantly, sounds great. You can add a number of connections to the back. There's three HDMI ports, so it kind of acts like an audio video receiver. I'll share a few more highlights later on in the show, but when we return more with Huawei, stick with us. We'll be right back. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Check it out. Hosted by Mark Saltzman.
Welcome back to Tech It Out. We're chatting with Tony Shaoli. He's the product marketing manager at Huawei. And we're talking about the unveiling of their new smartphone at last week's CES show. We're chatting about the Huawei Mate 10 Pro. This is a smartphone with pre-orders beginning February 4th, if I'm not mistaken. A 6-inch Android device with premium features and a premium finish to it as well. But let's look under the hood and talk about this, what you call the Kirin 970 processor. What makes it so special? Please explain the AI or artificial intelligence part. Generally speaking, Tony, a processor is the engine that drives your smartphone's performance or your laptop or tablet for that matter but what makes it unique when it's inside of this smartphone so the kira 970 is our latest self-developed chipset featuring for the first time a dedicated neural processing unit or npu now this is an ai powered processor that delivers ai computational capabilities that boost performance by up to 25 times and efficiency by up to 50 times so in other words your phone runs a lot faster and uses a lot less battery power. Now, a better way to understand this, uh, using the AI scene recognition uh, example that I mentioned earlier, is that normally in a benchmark image recognition test where the camera has to recognize different scenes or objects, the Kirin 970 can process 2,000 images per minute, while a traditional CPU slash uh, CPU with GPU chipset can only process 100 per minute. All right, so just to explain, it's a CPU central processing unit or the, the processor, the brains or the engine, and GPU is graphics processing, uh, which right. your, your computer has, your phone as well. And these are often separate but complementary technologies. So uh, got it. Okay. Right. So in addition to a traditional CPU, GPU chipset, we are for the first time ever adding an NPU or a neural processing unit. So the AI computations or computations that require a lot of horsepower, require a lot of processing power. The NPU does it a lot better, a lot faster, and it uses less power, more, way more efficient. In some of my TV interviews last week, Tony, I explained the AI or artificial intelligence advantage of being, for example, the phone recognizing what apps you're about to launch and then load it into memory even before you tap the icon. Is that right? Right. So that feature was first introduced on the P10. We called it the ultra memory feature. Um, and we continued to op optimize it for the Mate 10 Pro. So yes, it does learn from your what we call on-device AI. It learns from what you're doing, which apps that you tend to use. So if you use Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram a lot, then it will know over time that these are high-priority apps and it will reserve memory and system resources in mm -hmm. advance for these apps. All right, let's wrap up with battery life. Again, you mentioned earlier it's, uh, it's got one of the larger batteries. I've heard of a 4,000 milliamp battery. Generally speaking, the larger the milliamp number, the longer the battery life between charges. So this is a up to two-day smartphone, 22 hours, I understand, in total. Is that right? Up to, depending on the tasks. Yes, it depends on, obviously, it will depend on how you use your phone. And when we ran these battery tests um, for normal users. So based on an eight to 10 hour day um, where you're not constantly watching videos or, or on, on, you know, on the phone. So basically like a, what a normal average user would do, it's up to two days. Mm -hmm. um, if you're one of those heavy duty users who are constantly watching videos, you know, constantly, you know, online or playing um, games or playing games, um, then it's, it's one, it's one whole day. It's one whole day for that. And, and just to, for the battery, um, I, 
really want to say that at, at Huawei, we really, really care about the fundamental user experience. You can have all the coolest features in the world on your phone, but if the battery runs out in two hours, it's still going to be a poor experience. Mm -hmm. So that's why we put a large 4,000 milliamp hour battery in the Mate 10 Pro, uh, bigger than other leading smartphones, including the Samsung Note 8 and iPhone 10. Um, again, you can get up to two days of usage in normal day-to-day -day use scenarios. Um, what I also want to mention is Huawei's own proprietary fast charging technology called Huawei Supercharge. It comes pre-packaged with your phone. It's a cable and as well as a charger, and it lets you charge your phone from 1%, so basically empty, to 58% in a mere 30 minutes, which oh, wow. is more than enough for a full day of normal use. So if you're constantly... Uh, if you're like me, who is, I, I'm very impatient. Um, I, I, when I charge my phone, I expect it to just charge almost automatically. It's very, very useful for me. So um, I don't have to sit around waiting for the phone to charge. I can just plug it in and, and 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, I can get a whole day's worth of uh, power. All right. All right. So how much does the Mate 10 Pro cost and where could our listeners buy it? Okay, Sure. Uh, Pre-orders for the Mate 10 Pro begin on February the 4th, and it will run towards February the 17th. Um, all devices will then go on sale on February the 18th. Um, they will be available at Best Buy, uh, the Microsoft Store, both online and offline, um, Amazon, and B&H Photo Video, retailing at $799. The Mate 10 Pro will come in titanium gray, midnight blue, and mocha brown. Uh, what's the best website to get going? I know you said it's available at Best Buy, Microsoft Store, and Amazon, and B&H Photo, but you could also learn more about it at the Huawei website. What would that be? Absolutely. So if you would like to learn more about Huawei and our products, please go to our website at consumer.huawei.com slash US, or you can follow us on Facebook at Huawei Mobile US and Instagram or Twitter at Huawei Device USA. Tony yes. Shaoli, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. When we return on Tech It Out, we're going to catch up with Ted Kritsonis. He's a well-known technology journalist who contributes to a number of different publications. And we're going to talk with him about his favorite picks from the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show, which wrapped up last week. So stick with us. More Tech It Out coming up on the Radio America Network. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Check it out. Hosted by Mark Saltzman. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. This is Tech It Out. Tech It Out. With technology columnist, author, and TV personality, Mark Saltzman. This show is brought to you by Asus, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. Asus, for those in search of incredible. Visit Asus.com for more info. That's ASUS.com. As promised, on the line, we've got Ted Kritsonis. He's a renowned technology writer who contributes to publications ranging from Digital Trends and Techlicious to Mobile Syrup, Best Buy Canada, Wi-Fi Hi-Fi, and others. Welcome to the show, Ted. 
Always good to be with you, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> so what number CES is this for you? I know I've seen you there many times over the last few years. <laughs> uh, lucky number 13. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you've seen this show grow. It was big back then, 13 years ago, but certainly not at the level that it is today with 180,000 attendees and what more than what 50 football fields worth of tech. Paint a picture for us. Tell our listeners what it's like to walk around the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a wild place to be really, because, uh, I mean, not only are you battling the crowds really to get around, I mean, and I'm speaking from a journalist perspective because we're always chasing something down, right? There's always something that we have to see, something that we have to cover. So I, I in fighting the, to get around, I mean, that's one thing, but also we're talking about really big booths. I mean, you know, you've obviously been there and you've seen this, the size of some of the booths, especially for like Samsung or LG, some of those big companies, and even some of the automakers have pretty big booths too. Uh, so it is a collection of technology, both big and small. And it is not just products that are going to come out this year, but it's also concepts. It, you know, it's it's things that companies are proving they can do but may never see the light of day mm -hmm. uh, in retail and certainly trends and technologies that are going to be impactful in the years to come and uh, that's especially poignant uh, when it comes to uh, what the automakers are up to yeah and i want to talk to you about automotive tech i just saw by the way a video you shared on social media in a self-driving cadillac um, uh, with semi-autonomous technologies but fully autonomous or self-driving vehicles are coming down the road, pardon the pun. And uh, I know that that was something that you were keen on seeing at the show. Before we get to that, let's uh, go back to something you said. You said Samsung and LG, huge booths. Obviously, televisions are a big part of the Consumer Electronics Show every year, sort of peering into the window of what we're going to be mounting to our walls in the months and years to come. Anything catch your eye in that space? Well, TVs were less of a factor this year than in previous years. However, uh, we, do, we did see that... Samsung did show their big micro LED uh, TV, that technology that they believe could really compete with OLED, uh, both in how thin they can be and both in the color reproduction and contrast ratio. Mm -hmm. From what I saw with my own eyes, I, I think they probably are onto something, but we should remember that micro LED as it is right now is really, really expensive to produce. So I don't know how, with OLED dropping in price, how they're going to be able to match them that way. Uh, Samsung hasn't really revealed much as far as pricing goes, unless they told you something I don't know. Yeah, no, they uh, haven't. But let's bring our <laughs> Let's bring our listeners up to speed. So LED TVs or light emitting diodes is what most of us have. It, it is still a liquid crystal display, but behind the panel are these rows, uh, either on the edges or fully behind the panel are light emitting diodes that make the television thinner and, and offers better brightness and contrast, which refers to the difference between the whitest whites and the darkest blacks. And as a result, more vibrant colors and they sip rather than gulp electricity. So there's some benefits there. And then LG and then to a lesser extent, Sony has come along with a newer uh, technology called OLED, organic light emitting diodes that require no backlighting at all. These are self-emitting pixels that show you brightness and, and, and beautiful contrast and color without needing a, a backlight. So super thin TVs, even more energy efficient. And then Samsung never adopted that technology. They thought it was too costly. So they tried a couple of different things. One is called quantum dots or QLED, and then now micro LED. So these are still light emitting diodes, but much smaller than what they're typically using. Right, Ted? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the, these are, it's almost like you can make the pixels even smaller than they already are on a typical LED. And because they uh, are able to emit their own light in a, not exactly the same way as OLED does by any means, uh, because they're not self uh, emitting completely, but you are able to make a panel considerably thinner, mm-hmm. but there's a catch to all this. And one of them is that with OLED, you can go extremely thin. I, I don't know if you got the chance to see it. I saw the rolling TV that LG had. Mm-hmm. It was a 65-inch that literally rolled uh, up and down as if it was like you know a poster, basically. Uh, I, I didn't see it with my own eyes. I did read about it online, and I know it's from a, an LG subsidiary called LG Display. That's right. And, yeah. and I, I did see a few years ago from that same company a rollable digital newspaper. So same idea. It's like a, a, a something you can roll up like a, a paper newspaper, but it is a, a screen. So uh, And I did see the new LG TV through LG Display, the prototype displayed. What are some of the applications for that, Ted? Like I, I don't know if I understand the real-world applications for it, that if you are moving maybe from one house to another, you just roll it up and <laughs> take it to the next. Like, do you know what I mean? What, unless, or you don't want it on the wall all the time? Maybe you can yeah, that's enlight- actually how, enlighten me here. Yeah, I think that's actually how they envision it. I think they this is almost a, a variation of a mobile TV. So, you know, let's roll it up into this box. Let's take the box with us because it's very light. And we can move it around the house. We can move it outside, you know, into the backyard, move it to the cottage. Uh, It's interesting, right? Because the idea of taking a 65-inch display with you was really, I think, more centered on what you could do with a projection TV. Because if you could take a projector with you wherever you were going, then, yeah, you could take as big a TV as you wanted to or as big a screen as you wanted to. Mm -hmm. But in this case, this is actually moving the physical screen with you. And, and it's an interesting idea. I don't know that it would resonate with everyone, partly because the TV, for a lot of people in their homes, I think has become the centerpiece of their home decor, or at least in the room that the TV's in. This is partly why manufacturers want their TVs to look really nice. Yeah, and they because, added like an art element now too. Both Samsung and LG are showing yeah. like high, high resolution pieces of art on the TV yeah. when it's not in use. Yeah, like that's you know that that's not an accident, and 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 while you can argue that it's niche and even a little bit gimmicky, it, it's it's I get the idea, I get the point because they they realize that hey, you know what, this is a piece of furniture now at this point, and it's got to fit with whatever people want to do uh, inside their home. We're chatting with Ted Kritsonis. He's a renowned freelance journalist, and uh, he also shoots quite a bit of videos. There's a, a number of them on social media. You're on Twitter at ByTeddyK. Is that right? B-Y-T-E-D-D-Y-K. Yeah, you got it. When we return, we're going to continue our chat with Ted Kritsonis about his favorite picks from the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show. We'll be right back with more Tech It Out. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Tech It Out. Hosted by Mark Saltzman. Welcome back to Tech It Out. We're chatting with Ted Kritsonis, technology journalist, about his top picks from the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show. 
before we move on from TVs, Teddy, uh, one of the things that you talked about was the Samsung micro LED TV. And I think one of the, the real sort of hooks here that makes it unique is not just the fact that they're using these tiny little LEDs for, uh, that are smaller uh, to result in, in a picture with more detail, but it's also being dubbed as the world's first modular TV. You can increase or decrease the size of the TV by adding or removing panels. Um, and they, so they showed the wall, as Samsung called it, this micro LED TV called the wall, because it fills up a whole wall at 146 inches. But you could make it smaller or larger. And I think there are some commercial applications there. If you're a storefront, for example, a big shoe store, uh, that you could have a big, giant wall displaying your products, all with all those panels or TVs together making one image or shrink it down in size as need be. Let's wrap up with TVs, the fact that we've seen 8K TVs. Should our listeners be concerned that we are already buying 4K TVs with four times the resolution of HD? Now we're seeing 8K TVs debut at the Consumer Electronics Show that offer four times more resolution than a 4K TV. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, no one is producing anything in 8K right now. Uh, now, that we know that that could change, but uh, that only generally changes when there is some critical mass or the potential for critical mass uh, for people to own uh, 8K TV so that, hey, you produce the content and then people are actually going to consume it. We're not there yet, I don't think, with 8K. And, and also uh, price point. I, I just don't think we're anywhere near what people are, be, are willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've now seen 4K TVs being sold for under $1,000. So to now get someone to buy an 8K TV for 10000 is a very big ask. And that's just not going to happen. So. Uh, while they are beautiful to look at, and I mean, the one that Sony had was just, uh, I mean, was really great. It was uh, it was one of the best TVs I've ever seen, uh, no question. But um, to see, they, they even they're saying like, hey, we're you know we're we're not launching this this year, so uh, it, so it's okay. Yeah, like just just as you said, sometimes companies show what they can do just for the sake of showing they can do it uh, as a glimpse into the future. Yet we're chatting with Ted Kritzonis. He is a seasoned journalist who covers the consumer technology space. Now let's wrap up with automotive tech. It seems that the running joke at CES every year is that it used to stand for consumer electronic show. Now it seems as as if it's the car electronic show. So all the big automakers are there showing off their their wares because tech is becoming an increasingly part of your ride. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that CES takes place on the eve of the Detroit Auto Show is also very compelling, too, because Detroit generally shows off the products that people can buy uh, this year, where CES shows what they're going to be doing in the years to come. Mm -hmm. And so the you know, you have this this sort of dichotomy that happens between the two shows that I always find fascinating, especially the last few years. What's big now right, with automakers is, and especially at this particular CES, was the infrastructure required to make autonomous driving possible. So to make a car drive itself is one thing, but to make all these cars drive themselves and to know where they are relative to the infrastructure they're driving on and to other vehicles is the challenge that the industry is now tackling in a very big way. So we saw that 5G uh, technology was very much in the headlines uh, around the show. I mean, we we saw that uh, boasted everywhere from Intel to Qualcomm to Ford. I mean, all these companies were talking about it because ultimately 5G could be that that wireless connectivity that essentially 
thrusts this forward pardon the pun uh and um and so just to just to clarify ted sorry to cut you off 5g is cellular connectivity but the next generation so right now we're on 4g or sometimes referred to as lte long-term evolution and then 5g is even faster wireless speeds uh 50 times faster to be exact Mm -hmm. so it's it's extraordinarily fast compared to what we have now the the one thing that i think they're gonna have a challenge with is that it does not broadcast as far as LTE does. So LTE will still play a role in, in I think, how this plays out initially, unless they figure out a way to mm-hmm. propagate 5G in a way where it can really tra- it can travel really far distances at the same capacity. Right, so it's uh, a bit of a trade-off there. So faster speeds, but not as broad of a distance, but uh, gigabit LTE should be good in major urban centers, which is much faster 4G. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so five G, I think, will be very impactful in cities uh, where we have denser populations, <clears throat> where it's easier to put towers closer together, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, Ford right now is spearheading uh, with uh, with Intel uh, a basically a a an auto like an industry group, uh, an industry consortium, if you will, that will work off five G to create an industry standard that all the automakers can go with and tier one suppliers and all other suppliers as well that they can all work together on to deploy and so that they're all basically speaking the same language it's a noble effort mm-hmm. uh, i i understand why they're trying to do it it's just very difficult to get the automakers to agree on anything so it's going to be interesting to see if this can pan out uh, the way that they're hoping it will. Uh, Qualcomm is obviously backing this, too, given where they stand on this. But uh, at the same time, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see where this where this goes. But that, I think, was the biggest story. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, self-driving cars. I mean, we saw a lot of really cool technology with that. But it's more so that the industry, at least some of the industry, uh, seems really committed to making the infrastructure happen so that autonomous drive autonomous driving is possible for everyone right we'll be right back to wrap up with ted kritsonis on our last segment of today's tech it out on the radio american network where we venture into some new futuristic gadgets stick with us we'll be right back breaking down geek speak into street speak check it out hosted by mark saltzman Welcome back to Tech It Out. We're chatting with technology writer Ted Kritsonis about the Consumer Electronics Show. So just to break it down in plain English, it's not only these cars in the near future that will have cameras and sensors and sonar and radar that will help it navigate down a road and around obstacles, but it's also the connectivity of that vehicle to either a central server farm owned by say a gm or tesla uh, and also the ability for it to talk to other vehicles Uh, so 5g the infrastructure the wireless infrastructure is equally as important as the sensors and cameras on the vehicle itself yeah to get to go to full autonomy you can't have one without the other 
that's just the bottom line. I also saw Toyota unveil the concept uh, technology called ePallet, which does envision uh, an, a future whereby vehicles, self-driving vehicles, are involved in ride sharing, you know, a la Uber or Lyft, where it's picking up passengers. So there's really little need to have your own uh, vehicle, really, when uh, you're going to have thousands of these autonomous cars zipping around the city. It could be a lot more affordable, and you don't have to worry about insurance or anything like that as well. Yeah, yeah, they 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 have a a, a multifaceted vision for that uh, for that product, the e-pallet. They they think that they can it can work with retail, it can work with distribution, it can work with uh, just a, a number of things. Uh, that I they, saw that um, video with the the shoe store where yeah, somebody yeah. orders a pair of shoes and the and the shoe store comes to them with a self driving yeah. car. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah, it, like it's like a pop up shop basically on wheels. Like it, it, you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, they said though that it's not they're not going to have a live demonstration of this technology until the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. So we, we do have a bit of time still. Absolutely, yeah. Ted Kritzonis, I really appreciate your time and insight. Man, you're one smart dude. I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to hang out more at the show. I did see you uh, in passing at one point. But uh, where can our listeners learn more about yourself and, and read your articles and see your videos from the Consumer Electronics Show and, and the other topics that you cover? Yeah, so I, I write for a number of different publications, but uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at, at ByTeddyK, uh, the same handle for Instagram as well. Uh, ByTeddyK.com is uh, the website that I use to aggregate so some of the content uh, that I have that I write for other uh, publications as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to reach out, uh, I always welcome feedback. All right, Ted, thanks so much again for your time. Always a pleasure to be with you, Mark. Thanks so much. For the remaining moments we have on today's Tech It Out, I wanted to share a few other highlights for me at the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, I'll wrap up with a computer that caught my eye and a couple of accessories. Specifically, the Dell XPS 13 was pretty cool. It's the world's smallest 13-inch laptop. It's basically crammed into an 11-inch body, so really small with near-edge-to-edge glass. The Dell calls it an infinity display. Now available in Alpine White and Rose Gold. But it's not just the world's smallest 13-inch laptop, but it is now the most powerful 13-inch laptop thanks to an 8th generation Intel Core processor. There's also a new feature called Dell Mobile Connect where if you're nearby with your smartphone, and it can be iPhone or Android, you can now get text messages or phone calls on the Dell laptop itself. Dell says that all of their consumer and gaming laptops going forward will have this feature. The price for the Dell XPS 13 starts at $9.99, and it's available now. And then I saw a couple of solid-state drives, or SSDs, uh, which are slowly replacing hard drives for all the benefits they offer. So faster, lighter, thinner, quieter. There's no moving parts, so they're less prone to damage. And these are both inside of a laptop, or uh, what, I wa- what I wanted to talk about were these add-ons, these external SSDs from SanDisk. One of them is the SanDisk. Disk Extreme portable SSD, so it can withstand the elements. If you're out in the field and you want to back up your important files, maybe you're a photographer or a videographer, you can easily do that on this ruggedized little drive that requires no power. It just plugs into a PC or a Mac. And then the other is a Western Digital or WD Wireless SSD. So it is a fully wireless solid state drive with all those benefits I mentioned, including the fact that it is ruggedized. And also you can stream from the drive to a computer. So you can load it up with 4K movies and then on your laptop or your mobile device like a phone or a tablet, 
stream content wirelessly from that SSD. So it's not only about backing up information from the computer, for example, to the SSD, but streaming the other way around. Well, hey, thanks for listening to this week's Tech It Out. If you were at the Consumer Electronics Show or you read about it and you have some questions, you can always hit me up on my website, marksaltzman.com. That's M-A-R-C-S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N.com. Or on Twitter, I'm at Mark underscore Saltzman. That's Mark with a C underscore S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N. This show is brought to you by Asus, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. Asus, for those in search of incredible. Visit asus.com for more info. That's asus.com. Have a great rest of your weekend, everyone. We'll speak to you next time on Tech It Out.